This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Thursday, December 9th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of St. Juan Diego. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us across America on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. On Thursdays, I always make it a point to remind you that this is the day, this is the day that our Lord Jesus Christ instituted the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday. Today is also the Feast of St. Juan Diego, and in anticipation of the upcoming Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, I want to share a short, special soundbite from the very first interview that I ever did with our Relevant Radio CEO, Father Rocky. We did it on this day for morning air back 18 years ago today. Can you believe it? In fact, Father Rocky at the time was the chaplain at Northridge Prep in suburban Chicago. Well, you know, it's come to uh, my attention, thinking about the events of the last thousand years, that you take a look at the world in the year 1000 A.D. and the year 2000 A.D., probably the most significant change is a thousand years ago there were no Christians in the Western Hemisphere, from the North Pole all the way down to the South Pole. And today, the vast majority of people who live in the Western Hemisphere, Canada, the United States, Central America, Mexico, Latin America, they are Christians and most are Catholics. And that can be um, attributed to a point in time, which was December 12th, 1531 when Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego at Tepeyac Hill and after that there was a massive conversions to the faith and from there it spread. So you take a look in terms of mega events and this was a mega event even though it didn't seem like it at the moment, even though it seemed like it happened, the most humble guy in the world, Juan Diego, simple Indian uh, convert, but who had a great faith, great love for Our Lady and great humility. It just goes to show you the great things happen through the humble. And I believe that Our Lady of Guadalupe was the one who bought Father Rocky to Relevant Radio, our beloved CEO. Now I want to bring in my partner, Glenn Leverance. Uh, Glenn, what are some of the stories that we should be uh, plugged into this morning? And what do you think of a young Father Rocky? Oh, quite a flashback. That was great. Uh, boy, look what you started, John. Look what you started. <laughs> you never know when you invite a guest on what can happen. It was Our Lady, uh, Glenn. Uh... It was absolutely Our Lady of Guadalupe. <laughs> Well, very good. Very good. Hey, looking at some uh, some news headlines here. The U.S. now has hit that uh, 200 million mark now in terms of people who have been vaccinated. Uh, that's 60% of the population, though, and 24% have had a booster dose as well. And uh, we heard moments ago in the newscast, uh, boosters, uh, the U.S. kind of ahead of the rest of the world, though, behind many countries uh, in terms of total vaccinations. Uh, but at the same time, Omicron cases are detected now in 21 different states. Again, as we mentioned yesterday, it appears to be more contagious as we learn more about that variant. But some of the side effects or some of the effects of that variant, not as severe as uh, some others. But hospitalization rates, nonetheless, were up 10 percent for COVID last week. And again, um, we're reporting the facts. So we're not trying to scare anyone, but this is exactly what's going on. And we probably should be more concerned about the Delta variant than Omicron. 
Yeah, that's what uh, experts are saying right now. So just uh, be smart when you're out there. Be smart when you're out there. Elsewhere, uh, you we're running around enjoying the Advent season, getting ready for Christmas. Lots of great decorations and uh, lots of great uh, holy feast days coming up through December here as well. Not everyone celebrating the same way we might be in terms of vandalism or anything from fires at Christmas trees. The, the Fox News tree in Manhattan burned badly, but... Maybe more importantly, uh, this uh, statue of Our Lady of Fatima in Washington, D.C., defaced overnight. Absolutely unthinkable. Uh, somebody cut off uh, the hands and hammered in her face. There's a photo of the statue with the nose uh, broken. Uh, just in- unthinkable what happened uh, outside uh, the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, we're reminded that the, this is just a, a pattern of vandalism that we've seen uh, since uh, 2020. According to the U.S. Uh, bishops, uh, there's been at least 100 attacks on uh, Catholic shrines and Catholic churches uh, since uh, the spring of 2020, Glenn. So um, we have to pray for whoever uh, did this, and um, it's it's a re- really sad. But uh, we uh, we will persevere and ask our ladies' uh, intercession. Yeah, the U.S. bishops again, in the light of all of that, uh, had stressed in the past importance of reaching out to the perpetrators with with prayer and forgiveness, uh, a, a Christian response that you know is going to turn the head of someone who's not a believer in that, not just just an angry response in return. Absolutely. And as far as the Christmas trees, uh, there's uh, there's been an attack on, on several Christmas, Christmas trees just in the last week, uh, not just the, the Fox tree uh, outside their studios in New York City. And I think it's not so much an attack on the trees as it is on the symbol of Christmas, of Christ and of Christianity. So um, it's it's very sad to hear this news at this time of the year. But hey, light up those trees, light up those nativities uh, out in the yard and uh, you know, proclaim the real meaning for the season. Absolutely. Our Lord Jesus Christ. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Hey, sure thing, John. And speaking of praying, we begin each hour giving thanks to our Lord in prayer through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life, and patroness of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, the patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus the Lord says, truly I say to you, among those born of woman, There has risen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In 2002, Pope St. John Paul II canonized St. Juan Diego at the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. Praise God for St. Juan Diego's blessed obedience, imitating St. John the Baptist as a voice crying in the wilderness who bought us the devotion and love of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the mother of the true God, our Lord Jesus Christ. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. 
Now, when many of us think about Christmas music, especially secular Christmas music, we often think of Jingle Bells, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and so many other favorites that come to mind. But what about the beautiful classical Christmas carols? Our next guest is the pastor of one of Chicago's most beautiful churches, which is known for its sacred music, sacred art, and sacred liturgies. Joining us now to talk about uh, beautiful sacred music during Advent and the Christmas season, as well as the upcoming 17th annual Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols, is Father Joshua Caswell, the pastor of St. John Cantius Parish in Chicago and the Superior General of the Canon Regulars of St. John Cantius. Father Joshua, welcome to Morning Air. What a joy it is to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Oh, good morning. It is so good to be with you all, and especially you, John. I've known you for a long time. It's a great joy to hear a familiar voice on the other end. Absolutely. Father, you got to remember, I knew you when you were brother, Joshua. I think you were a teenager when I first met you. That's very possible. We won't say how many years ago that was. (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep it our little secret. (laughs) Father Joshua, for those uh, who have never had uh, the opportunity to visit St. John Cantius or don't know anything about the the canons regular, can you give us a real brief thumbnail sketch uh, of the order and how it got started and the particular charism? Absolutely. So it's just a strange providence of God that in the middle of the downtown Chicago, there was this church which was falling apart. And as that church was restored, lovingly restored, people came from all over the place. And the church became known for art and music and for beautiful solemn liturgies. And young men started coming wanting to be part of this, uh, this movement, this renaissance. And then as the church came back to life, Cardinal Francis George uh, thought we should found a religious community. And so an order was founded here at St. John Cantius Church. It's now about 23 years old. And the order has about 30 priests and brothers in three churches in two dioceses. And so um, lots of vocations coming in. But yeah, a, a, a world-famous church known for its, its beauty. Uh, people can follow our live stream, as many, many do, and known for its art and especially the sacred music, which we're talking about today. And Father Joshua, it really is a magnificent church, uh, St. John Cantius. In fact, it's it's so special to me. I, I, I attend there often. In fact, uh, it's where I met my wife, Cindy, for the very first time. So St. John Cantius is such an important part of my life. Absolutely. Can you talk to us a a little bit about uh, the sacred music, the sacred liturgy, and the sacred art? Uh, We know that sacred music can truly enhance uh, the experience of uh, participating in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Absolutely. Not only it is sacred liturgy, or say sacred music, not only does it bring people closer to God, but we've known that beauty especially sacred music, is one of the things that draws people 
into an experience with God, even people who may be atheists. And so at St. John Cantus, we see very often throughout the year, for example, on November 2nd, we have the All Souls Day Mozart Requiem. So the entire Mozart Requiem Mass, not a concert, but performed in the context of the Holy Mass. And we've noticed that people coming off the street, so you have atheists, you have young people, you have people who've never walked in a church, and they hear this music, and they see the Mass going on, and their senses are overwhelmed, and they have some, some encounter with something bigger than themselves, and it keeps them coming back. And so we found that at St. John's, um, the sacred music is a vital part of that, vital part of that fabric of evangelization. And so no matter who people are when they walk off the streets, whatever they think about the church, whatever they think about uh, priests, or whatever they think about, it doesn't really matter, because when they walk in and they hear beautiful music, the, the heart melts. And that's exactly what we've, we've seen time and time again at St. John's. And music can speak to the heart uh, of Father Joshua in a way that uh, words uh, cannot. Absolutely. The great thing is we don't have any earlids. We have eyelids, but the music goes right to the soul. And so somebody walking in a church and hearing sacred polyphony from the 1500s or the Gregorian chant they're going to experience a part of that, that mystery, and it touches their heart very deeply. In fact, St. Augustine talks about this in his own conversion. He says, when I heard your hymns and your, he's speaking of the church, when I heard of your hymns and your music, how I wept, you know, and that same thing happens today. People, by the power of the church's beautiful sacred music, are moved to a deeper encounter with, with God. And when you combine sacred music uh, with absolutely beautiful sacred art, uh, that's uh, quite a combination. Can you tell us uh, briefly about the beautiful art that's displayed at St. John Cantus? Absolutely. So the church is, was built by Polish immigrants, but it is overwhelmingly beautiful. These immigrants had very little money, but everything they had, they gave away for the glory of God. When you walk into St. John Cantus, your eyes are enveloped. You see this beautiful four-story high altar covered in gold leaf, beautiful columns and wreaths. Every square inch of the church is really painted, so it really is a feast for the eyes. And that's part of what it means to be Catholic, is that we use our senses to worship God. And so when you walk in a good Catholic church, all five senses should be used. You walk in, you should immediately smell the incense. You should hear the sacred music. You should see the art and architecture that shows you where Jesus is in his temple in the, in the house of God. And finally, you are able, even with your sense of taste, to taste the body and blood of Christ in the Holy Eucharist. So all the senses, and that's part of our, our faith, which is incarnate, and that's the meaning of Christmas, is that the Word became flesh, and this, you know, he, he dwells among us, and we can experience him in all these five senses. Full disclosure, I go to Mass at St. John Cantius uh, quite a bit, and what impresses me, you see young people, you see young families with young babies and children, uh, a lot of different folks who are attracted uh, to the beautiful music, uh, the beautiful Masses. Absolutely. So many young people, and in fact, our, our 1230 uh, Latin High Mass, you often will call this the hipster mass. So you often will see next to the people wearing the denim jump, jumpers and mantillas. You're going to see the people with the mohawk or the, or, the, or the giant earrings or whatever, but you're going to see the whole spectrum. It's, you know, because beauty is universal. No matter where you are, everyone can speak to, to beauty, and it cuts to all across um, lines. So. We're joined this morning by Father Joshua Caswell, the pastor of St. John Cantius Church in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Father, can you tell us about the upcoming annual Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols? 
this is one of our biggest highlights of the year and the church is absolutely filled we do have some tickets left but yes this is this saturday at 7 30 p.m that's saturday december 11th at 7 30 p.m it's the story of christmas the story of our salvation is woven together with nine lessons that's why it's called nine lessons so you have nine scripture readings that are read by various people from the community so for instance we have our alderman uh alderman walter burnett he's a baptist deacon he'll be doing one of the readings we have uh, the, our fire chief from the city of chicago we have a police chief we have a doctor so people who are all involved in the fabric of our city they're reading the scripture readings that are part of the story of salvation and between that we have the nine lessons and the nine carols and so it's a chance for our four choirs to gather together our professional choirs our youth choir our volunteer choir they all come together sing beautiful carols and the night is just really beautiful and many as you would imagine many people who are not catholic do come and they are able to participate in this whole story of salvation they get the warm fuzzies but at the end they're really able to see something when we surprise them by exposing the blessed sacrament and giving benediction this year bishop joseph perry will be presiding at the nine lessons and carols but it is something not to be missed so if you're in the chicago area you want to come this um this saturday evening at 7 30 p.m and tickets are available at the door. And again, you can go to cantius.org for much more information. And again, if you're in the Chicago area, highly encourage you to make an effort to, to be a part of this uh, wonderful event, uh, the annual, the 17th annual Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols. Um, Father, uh, which is your favorite carol? You have so many beautiful ones. Which, which one really touches your heart? I think when I hear the way that O Come All Ye Faithful is done at St. John's, it just has this absolute warmth, you know, with the full church and the acoustics and the strings. It just really is something that really, it really feels like, like Christmas. We'd like to uh, share a little excerpt of O Come All Ye Faithful for all of you. Absolutely magnificent. Uh, Father Joshua, I can understand why this is one of your all-time favorites. Tell us a, a little bit about uh, this beautiful carol. Well, really, it's an, it's an actually, it started in Latin. It was the carol known as Adeste Fidelis. So uh, it's really a call to come to the church, to come and adore Christ. And I think that's exactly what people are going to experience is not come and adore him in the holy mass come and adore him exposed on the altar in the blessed sacrament so it is just a a beautiful beautiful call to at to adoration of, of our savior and this is what christmas is all about uh, it reminds me of the famous words of linus uh, from charlie brown really it's all about our lord and this beautiful music uh, these these magnificent carols uh, truly honor uh, the baby jesus Absolutely. 
Yes, I certainly hope uh, people can come and experience this. I must say, this tradition of nine lessons and carols didn't actually start in the Catholic Church. Uh, this is something that the Anglicans were very good at. Uh, they don't have um, a developed liturgy as much as the Catholic Church does, but they were known for this service, which was sort of a devotional service of tying together sacred scripture and these carols. But when you put it in a setting like St. John Cantius, you can see truly how Catholic, how universal it can be, and how powerful beauty can be. It's just tremendous to see the whole church filled, the people singing, and there's just a, there's a, a tremendous like growth, and it really prepares us for that coming Feast of Christmas. So. And Father, I imagine that uh, some of the folks that come to St. John Cantius aren't even Catholic uh, uh, every year. That is absolutely true. A great majority of the people will be people who would normally go to uh, Chicago Symphony Hall or they would go to other concerts in the city, and they think, here's another concert, but, but they, they come and walk in, but there's something different. They're brought closer to God. It's not just the music. The music is a means to the end, and the end is about, hey, this is the story of our salvation. So yes, we have many non-Catholics, and every year we see uh, wonderful conversions that result from this experience. At uh, this uh, year's event, this coming Saturday, December 11th, 7 p.m., uh, in the Chicago area, if you're going to be around, uh, highly encouraged uh, to make an effort to, to come uh, for this annual festival of nine lessons and carols. Uh, what are a few of the uh, lessons and carols that we're going to hear? Well, you're going to see there'll be the Coventry Carol, there'll be cl- the usual classics, um, there are even going to be some, some ones you've never heard of, and so just, just a, a, a full array but I encourage people to go to the website and see the full listing of sacred music. I know that uh, one of the most popular carols is Angels We Have Heard on High. We'd like to share just a, a little excerpt from that beautiful carol. That doesn't get you ready for the birth of our blessed Lord. I don't know what does. Uh, Father Joshua, that's another uh, just absolutely beautiful carol. Wonderful. Well, it's been such a joy to be with you today and to share the beauty of St. John Cantius. And I hope that those in the Chicago area can come and attend. And even if you have friends who aren't Catholic who can't take the Mass, this is a great beginning, a great way to ease them in to some Catholic tradition. Well, Father Joshua, once again, this will be the 17th annual Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols this coming Saturday, December 11th, 7 p.m. If you're anywhere near the Chicago area, highly encourage you to come. It's a great opportunity to spend some time with the family here during Advent and really prepare our hearts to receive Jesus at Christmas time. Final thought, Father Joshua. Just. I wish everyone a very beautiful and blessed Advent. It is one of the most privileged seasons of the year that allows us to prepare our own hearts for Christ's coming. Once again, Cantius.org for much more information for this year's event. Thank you, Father Joshua, for being with us. 
Father Joshua Caswell, the pastor of St. John Cantius Parish in Chicago and the spiritual superior general of the canon regulars of St. John Cantius. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, we'll be joined by our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, to talk about St. Juan Diego and what he teaches us as we prepare for the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe on Sunday. So stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air after this. Today's program is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center. More information about their Catholic-centered recovery from substance abuse is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. La Guadalupana, welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us on this day, December 9th. We're celebrating the feast of St. Juan Diego, the humble indigenous Chimicheca peasant, the Mexican Catholic convert to whom the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared as Our Lady of Guadalupe, Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe, the patron saint of Mexico and the patroness of the Americas. St. Juan Diego was canonized by St. John Paul II in 2002, recognizing not only his sanctity, but also his very important role in having been chosen by Our Lady of Guadalupe to be her ambassador. And now joining us is our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, with much more on St. Juan Diego and what he teaches us in preparation for Our Lady of Guadalupe's feast day this coming Sunday. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota and a relevant radio contributor with his daily prayer reflections as well as a longtime contributor to Morning Air. Good morning, Father Kabicki. Thanks so much for joining us. Good to be with you once again. Happy Feast of St. Juan Diego. Well, thank you so much, John. Uh, glad to be with you on this day. I'm glad uh, when I come on uh, every Thursday that uh, there are certain days like this that really uh, are exciting to be able to talk to you about and to celebrate. And uh, Juan Diego is one of my favorites. You know, in our church where I serve at St. Thomas Church in Mission, South Dakota, part of the St. Francis Mission, uh, we have four churches. But in our church, we have a statue of Juan Diego right in the front, um, right to the to the side next to St. Joseph's statue on the right side of the um, in the front of the church. And so um, there's a big devotion to him here on the reservation because, you know, he is an indigenous person and uh, who was canonized and to whom Our Lady appeared. And so the, the indigenous people of western South Dakota, the Lakota Sioux, are very drawn to him because he's, as it were, one of their own. And so they're very excited to be celebrating uh, his feast today and also um, to remember Our Lady of Guadalupe on Sunday. 
Well, uh, St. Juan Diego is obviously very special, uh, known as the Eagle That Speaks. Can you tell us a, a little bit about who was St. Juan Diego and how uh, did he contribute to the recognition of this universal devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, so special for all of us uh, here in the Americas? Well, he was born in the year 1474 in uh, part of what is now Mexico City, and uh, he was baptized around the uh, at the age of 50 by a Franciscan priest. The Franciscans were the missionaries who served there. And as you said, his, his name meant uh, the, the eagle who speaks or the talking eagle, which again, for the Lakota Sioux people, that's very important because the eagle is, is a very uh, strong, powerful symbol of, of uh, God's speaking to us. And so God was speaking through Juan Diego, the talking eagle, when he accepted the commission that our Blessed Mother gave him. So it was in the year 1531 that he was uh, on his way to uh, town in order to uh, receive the sacraments, so go to Mass. And on the way, our Blessed Mother appeared to him and asked him to be her messenger, to go to the bishop and to tell the bishop that our Blessed Mother wanted a church built in in her honor there, a place where people could go to pray and to receive her maternal uh, guidance and protection. And so he went to the bishop, and the, uh, you know the bishop, of course, thought, well, who is this guy coming here and with a, a, um, a request from our Blessed Mother? Uh, so he said, well, let me think about it some more. And the next day, uh, Juan Diego came back, and uh, the bishop was much more receptive, but he said, you know, I, I need a sign. It, it, ask Our Lady to give me a sign that this is for real. And uh, so that's what led to the, the great sign of uh, roses being found uh, in a place where they were out of season and a dry place with cactus only, and uh, the last place you would think roses would, would be uh, growing. And he picked these roses that Our Lady directed him to pick, and she arranged them in his mantle, his uh, kind of poncho that he was wearing. And uh, so he held these close to himself and brought them to the bishop, uh, and then um, the the people who were um, protecting the bishop or his assistants were afraid of of what Juan Diego had in his his tilma, his poncho, and uh, so there was a little bit of a struggle. And at one point, the the poncho opens up, the roses f fall out. This is the what Juan Diego thought was the great sign. But it turns out the, the greatest sign was Our Lady's own image that was left on the tilma, the poncho. And at that point, the bishop and the assistants, the people who were there, you know, fell on their knees looking at this image of our Blessed Mother, uh, who had a dark skin like the native people, and uh, a whole bunch of symbolism in that image. But what's, what I think is, is really great about Juan Diego, too, is that when he went back, uh, when he met our Blessed Mother for a second time, and said, "You know, the bishop wants me to think, wants you to th think, of, wants to think about this some more to see if it's for real." You know, maybe if you found a different messenger to bring this message to him, someone who is more learned, who he might listen to. I'm just a poor, humble, ignorant person. And our Blessed Mother said, no, I want you. And it's a great sign, you know, in our, in our, uh, the letter of St. Paul, um, 
St. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 that we're earthen vessels, and God chooses the weak and makes them strong in bearing witness. So it's a real sign of God's power at work among those who are simple and humble. Absolutely. And it was a very human reaction, uh, Father Kabicki, of course, uh, Juan Diego to feel that he wasn't worthy. How important do you think is the fact that the, the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, chose uh, Juan Diego, a very humble person of the lowest social class, uh, to be her messenger, to be her ambassador? Well, I think, you know, in her, her words to him, uh, she she called him Johnny, you know, Juanito, and... Uh, um, Juan Dieguito. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we, and what she, we have these we have these words, these these beautiful words, the English translations, because of the the original Nikan Mopoa uh, that uh, was uh, first uh, translated uh, many years later um, by Antonio Valeriano. And so we we have some of this beautiful dialogue uh, between Our Lady Guadalupe and Saint Juan Diego. Right, and one of those, you know, uh, is inscribed over the main entrance of the Basilica of Guadalupe. Um, no estoy yo aquí, que soy tu madre. Am I not here? Very good, I am your mother. <laughs> Very good, <laughs> Espanoles. Very good. <laughs> Gracias. Well, you know, and these words, uh, the reason why I think she, you know, she chose Juan Diego, this simple, humble, small person in the eyes of the world, was, was to say, you know, no one should be afraid to approach me, and then I will lead you to Jesus, and he will lead you to the Father. No one should be afraid, you know, and it's those who are childlike, who realize they need help and are small in the world. It's those people that uh, have a special claim on my affection and on my desire to protect and to help. So I, I think he's an example for all of us who uh, may feel very small in in the eyes of other people, uh, but in in her eyes, um, we are um, maybe more receptive to her maternal help. Well, uh, St. Juan Diego is inseparable from Our Lady of Guadalupe. There's so much more that we can talk about, uh, both of them. Uh, Many people have a devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, but what about uh, St. Juan Diego? I want to bring in our audience. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Do you have a particular devotion to St. Juan Diego? Uh, What does he mean to you? Maybe you might have a story about how uh, St. Juan Diego has, uh, has helped you, or Our Lady of Guadalupe and what she means to you as well. We'd love to hear from you. You can join the conversation with Father James Kabicki. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Father, we're going to take a a brief break, uh, but we will continue our conversation about St. Juan Diego with Father James Kabicki. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Estas son las mañanitas que Santo, te las cantamos aquí 
Happy Feast of St. Juan Diego as we get ready, we get prepared for the upcoming Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe this weekend. Welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much uh, for joining us as we continue our conversation with Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director and the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. We're talking about St. Juan Diego and what we can learn from St. Juan Diego as we prepare for Our Lady Guadalupe. Lupe's Feast. Uh, Father, uh, well, welcome back. Thank you, John. Good to be with you again. And again, a reminder, I want to in- invite our listeners, if you have a special devotion to St. Juan Diego or Our Lady of Guadalupe, if you want to share what uh, uh, Juan Diego or Our Lady means to you personally, uh, we have some open lines. Uh, give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Uh, Father Kabiki, can you talk a-, a little bit about uh, how Juan Diego was officially declared a saint. Well, there, yeah, there's. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember now how this this worked. I wrote this down, um, and uh, what happened was that uh, as he was being beatified, um, so that that very time of his beatification, um, which was in the, the late 1990s. Uh, what happened was that there was a mother in Mexico whose son was a, a drug addict and who fell uh, fell from uh, a three-story balcony. And he landed on his head and so was, you know, went into a coma and it seemed very clear that, that he was not going to survive. Uh, or if he did survive, he was going to be brain damaged uh, for the rest of his life. And what happened is she immediately prayed for him to uh, be healed, to be saved, to survive, to recover. And um, within um, a few days, it was maybe three days or so, he came out of the coma. And then within six days, he was walking out of the hospital uh, and the doctors there, of course, in great shock, could not uh, understand how he, this could have happened, how he could have survived such a terrible thing. So that was uh, around May 6, 1990, when he was beatified. And uh, this was the miracle um, that ultimately led to his canonization. The miracle, they didn't require a miracle for him to be beatified uh, because of the, uh, they call it the antiquity of cult, that uh, for, for so long he had been venerated as a holy man and, and people had prayed to him and asked his help. Um, so they dispensed with the miracle for him to be beatified on May 6th, 1990. But it was around May 3rd or so that this 20-year-old uh, drug-addicted uh, man in Mexico, the son of a loving mother named Esperanza, which means hope, that he fell off the balcony, and there's just some question whether it was an accident or if it was intentional. But he emerged from the coma and was discharged, and uh, this was the miracle that ultimately led to St. John Paul II canonizing him when he visited the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in the year 2002. 
Absolutely. And perhaps uh, the, uh, the, the biggest miracle or miracles was uh, in the following years after the apparitions of Our Lady, um, over a period of about seven years, a reported nine million indigenous and natives, Aztecs, were baptized and converted to our Lord Jesus Christ, all because of the faith of uh, this little humble Juan Diego and the miracle of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Right, and I've I've been to the shrine twice. I was there uh, once when it was uh, before the new shrine was built, uh, and so I've seen both the old and the new. And uh, what what impressed me the most, um, besides seeing the image, was how it has survived over all these centuries when the material on which the image is should have deteriorated over the years, and uh, it's behind the glass. But um, in the 1920s, when the church was being persecuted in Mexico, uh, someone brought some flowers to put in front of the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, and within the flowers there was a bomb hidden. And the bomb exploded, and it twisted uh, candelabra uh, that was right next, a metal candelabra. It just twisted it, and you can see it to this day, this twisted candelabra, the effect of the bomb explosion. But the image itself... Was untouched. Uh, so, uh, you know, the miracles continue to this day. It's clear that Our Lady wants herself to be venerated and this image to be venerated as a, as a sign that she is close to us and wants to always be close to us. Well, Father Kabiki, uh, we have a, a number of calls. Uh, let's try to get through them as quick as we can. Uh, Ian is joining us from Miami. Good morning, Ian. Uh, welcome to Morning Air. Good morning. Thank you all. I uh, just want to um, share a personal story with St. Juan Diego. I was uh, developing like this huge project, and I thought it was too big for me, but thanks to St. Juan Diego, I felt inspired to just carry forth. And uh, I don't know if it will come to fruition or not, but that huge project was huge in my immersion of the faith. So uh, props mm-hmm. to Juan Diego, and blessed feast for you all. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Thanks so much. Megan is joining us uh, from Largsburg, California. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I was just going to share a trip in early 2020, right before COVID, going to Mexico City to the site. And I went with Immaculate, somewhat famous Catholic who survived the genocide in Rwanda, and she wrote books. However, Um, One of the amazing things that happened, um, we did the Stations of the Cross in the large courtyard um, in Mexico City where they have the churches and um, right by the little hill, I think, where the Virgin met with Juan Diego. So we started Stations of the Cross and then just up in the sky, I just looked at the picture in my phone and up in the sky was kind of a sign and wonder of some beautiful bright light around the sun but then the shimmering rainbow colors and it was about two-thirds of a heart and kind of like a sacred almost a sacred heart there's a little something above the heart um and it was just beautiful sign in the sky i just looked at the photograph of that i wish i could share with you um but and also the little hill going up to the older chapel it just seems very holy and the plants that are growing there it's a little bit otherworldly, and so I, it's a wonderful place to visit if you ever get a chance to go to a pilgrimage. 
And um, thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Father uh, David is joining us from San Antonio, Texas. Good morning, David. Uh, good morning to both of y'all. Uh, my story is that me and my wife have been married now 20 years, just to kind of make it condense the story. But uh, for the first five years, we couldn't, we couldn't have children. And my wife had told me that a long time ago, when she was little, the doctor... The gynecologist told her that she's going to have a hard time having babies and she might not even have babies. So <clears throat> I have a lot of family in Mexico City, and I've been to where the Guadalupe, where the Virgencita, the, the Talapia, I mean, the images, the Juan Diego with my mom when I was little. And I told my wife, let's go to Mexico City. And she's never been to Mexico City. And I didn't tell her why, but I, I wanted her to go to the Virgencita. So when we went, she said, and she saw the, the, the image of the Vicencita, she was so overwhelmed, she couldn't explain it to me. But at that same time, I got on my knees without her knowing, and I, I prayed to the Vicencita, and I asked her, if she gave me a son, I would name him Juan Diego. 20 years later, after, actually that, that next day, my wife was feeling so sick, we didn't know what, what was going on. And I was actually even mad at my wife because I told her, stop acting like that because you're embarrassing me in front of my family from Mexico. They don't even know you, and you're already giving them a bad impression. And she said, no, honey, I'm, something's wrong with me. I don't know what, what it is. So uh, we went like that. for She went like that for like three days before we, we came back. We returned back to the United States, and she was feeling bad, and I thought she, was, she got food poisoning because we used to get food poisoning I mean, from the water, I'm actually... From David, we're running out of time, please. We if you, so we, any, anyway, when we got to the States, we found out that she was pregnant. And I told my wife, I knew you, I knew you were going to get pregnant. And, and I told her, name him Juan Diego. And she said, well, you don't know if it's going to be a boy. I said, I just know, honey. I just know it's going to be a boy. And so he's now, he, uh, nowadays, now he's 16, and his name is Juan Diego. And he's he's had dreams about eagles, and when I heard your program, I, he said, "Dad, I don't know what all this means." So, uh, when he was seven years old, an old lady that we don't even know came up to him and he said, "You're gonna do great things." He said, "But it's not your time yet. It's gonna happen when you get older." David, we're gonna have to leave it right there. Uh, Father, a quick thought. We got about fifteen seconds. Oh, that's beautiful. But the only thought I can say is. Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. Que viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. Que viva San Juan Diego. Thank you so much, uh, Father Kabicki, uh, as always, for being with us. Uh, this has been a very special uh, day. Thank you again. It is. You're welcome. And now it's time for another edition of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called A Christmas Lesson. Did Mary feel embarrassed when the shepherds came to call? Did she wish they'd found a nicer place instead of a lowly stall? Was she yearning for a perfumed bath, someone to plate her hair? Did she wish her son a finer bed with soft warm blankets there? Or did joy fill her grateful heart and overflow with awe, remembering the angel's words and what her eyes now saw? For in her spirit Mary knew this son whom she adored was God's begotten chosen one, her Savior and her Lord. So Mary murmured not at all, 
palace was more grand, the king of kings was ushered in exactly as God planned. And so a lesson for all time, this wisdom to impart, don't be absorbed with worldly show, God looks upon the hearts. From Luke 2, 11 and 12, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Thanks so much, Glenn. I want to remind our listeners to invoke St. Juan Diego and Our Lady Guadalupe to join Father Rocky for the Family Rosary Across America with all your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, for the entire team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow on Morning Air. Que viva la Virgen de Guadalupe, que viva San Juan Diego. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.